morning, church. Um, it's it's been a bit, uh, and and we I I told Michael Wall this last week that I was preaching, and he asked me like he always does, "Are you doing Sermon on the Mount?" And I said, "Well, yes, Michael. Um, we are. We we haven't made it through yet, so we are going to be continuing um, in the Sermon on the Mount this week, and." Uh, we're going to be arriving at the final kind of third of Jesus' sermon. Uh, and this is a section that, uh, as you look at it, there are a lot of words that Jesus says in it that are pretty well known uh, by Christians, but by people outside of the church. Um, these are, are sections where you could even walk into a totally secular setting and you could say a few of these, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Um, and so, one of them, the one we're going to look at today, uh, has kind of almost been adapted by the culture uh, and turned into somewhat of a mantra, this idea of, of judging someone. Uh, there, there is this notion uh, amongst the culture and, and the folks that, like, you cannot judge me, or you have judged me, and that is wrong. And just as striking is this indictment of, of judging someone is, is something that the culture has picked up on uh, as far as the church goes. If you uh, ask someone outside the church, why... What, what's the resistance to or what is the hesitation to becoming involved with church or, or rejoining the church once more? There is this, this handful of things that you're going to hear. Um, not all of them, but, but a vast majority will say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. We talked about that uh, a while back when Jesus addressed hypocrisy. Um, the other that you will hear is, well, I got, I got hurt by the church uh, and, and I'm still healing. And then the last, and it's kind of part of that, is that the church, Christians, are too judgmental. That is this, this charge that is levied often against the Christian people. And so, if, if that charge is being given by the culture, they're saying, well, Christians are judgmental. And Jesus has things to say about judging others, then we either have work to do to set right this notion that the culture has, or to understand better what Jesus says about judging someone, or both. Um, and so that's kind of the, the heart and the backbone of this end section of the Sermon on the Mount, is these very practical, very hitting home, almost pop culture things that the culture has taken of Jesus. And Jesus, we're going to try to give some context back to it. Uh, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. So if you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 7, verse 1. And, and as you do that, I want to remind us of where we're at in the sermon. Um, because we started this just about two-ish years ago, and we're, we're still plugging away. And... Uh, the context of this is Jesus is talking to a ragtag group of outcasts. These are the people that the culture has kind of chewed up and spit out and said, eh, we don't have a place for you. <laughs> so 
you can follow this Jesus guy around and he'll feed you and he'll heal you and he'll give you a lesson on a hillside. Um, and Jesus is giving kind of his guide to the kingdom. What is this kingdom going to be like one day in the future? And how can we live in such a way that begins to realize and, and maybe experience that kingdom now? It looks forward to that kingdom being one day revealed and enjoys parts of it to be experienced here on this earth today. With this in mind, Jesus speaks of the kingdom again as a future reality and a present actual thing that you can experience. Jesus and everything he has said in the sermon up to this point uh, is fresh in his audience's mind. So, uh, we, like I said, we've been about two years in this and they would have been maybe 20, 30 minutes at this point. Uh, and so, everything that Jesus has said up to this point, he gave the whole thing in one go. So when he starts to talk about judging others, they have in their brains what Jesus has already said about being salt and light and fulfilling the law. His words about anger and lust and divorce and promises and revenge. Loving your enemies. What Jesus has said about prayer and fasting and what it means to be a hypocrite. How we order our values and the idols that we have. All of those things are fresh in their brains when Jesus starts to talk about judgment. And so here we are in Matthew 7, and we read starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. I just pray that as we turn our attention to this idea of, of judging and, and being judgmental, I pray that, that, we would, um, that we would look at ourselves first today. I pray that, that your spirit would move to convict in a way that is productive and helpful and that draws people near to you as a result. We love you and thank you. Help us to honor you at this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus says, judge not that you may not be judged. And when you talk to people today, like I said, there is this notion that Christians are judgmental. They've said they've been hurt by the church, it's full of hypocrites, and I just feel judged by them. And so if we're to take our Savior's words as a call to at least look at how we judge, then we, we have some work to do, either in evaluating our approach or understanding what is Jesus saying? Why, like, and why does the culture feel this way, react this way? Or perhaps both. And we proceed with Jesus' words here 
and how we interact with people because what Jesus says is crucial. It, 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 it's so almost central to what he's been trying to tell his listeners so far that now we get into the, the nitty-gritty of, okay, how does this work out? How does this play out? How does it feel? And he begins by telling us that the measure that we use to measure someone else's life with will be measured and we will be, it will be used for us. This idea of judging or being a judge, that there's a few ideas about judging. So the first is this idea that well, we're talking about judging between two good things. The idea here is, well, uh, do I go to McDonald's or Wendy's when I'm done with church in two hours? Uh, that's judge, we're judging between two ideas. That is not what Jesus is getting at. It's also not this idea of judging the best from the whole. When you go to the state fair and they've got the big line of pigs and you say, I judge this pig to be the best one. That's not what he's talking about. He's not judging the best from the whole. He also doesn't seem to be talking about a legal judgment. We have judges here today and, and he's not talking about this idea of, of a, a moral or legal judgment on someone. Rather, he, he, he's, and I should note, he's not forbidding those. Jesus isn't saying, hey, never, never choose between two good things. Don't judge for yourself. He's not saying never to judge. But he's saying how we judge and make a, make a discernment and a judgment about how someone is approaching or is living, make this, take this stance in relation to another person's position, that's what Jesus is kind of looking at here. He does not tell us never to judge. But he says how we judge and what we seek to accomplish in making those judgments needs to be fair. It needs to be reliable. And he introduces, and to communicate that, he introduces his idea of a measure. And, and says, whatever way you judge and deal with people, you will receive an equal measure of judgment to yourself. Uh, and he's later going to expand on this idea when he creates and shares the golden rule later in chapter 7. And that's like the big one. Jesus is, we love that one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But he is asking us, when we are faced with a moment where we could make comment or pronounce judgment, to stop and think about what it would be like to be them. Because the measure that you use will be measured to you. If the shoe was on the other foot, how would it feel? In short, he's asking and he's calling his followers, people of the kingdom, He's saying, y'all need to have empathy for this other person. And I think as we explore this, we're going to find that empathy can kind of kill judgmentalism. He's not saying never make a judgment call, never hold discernment. He says make sure that those are fair and make sure they're helpful and loving. The idea of a measure 
and fair judgment is tied to this call for just scales in the Old Testament, which many of the religious leaders had ceased using. Um, they, they would have these, these measures and these scales to uh, weigh out proper things. Uh, Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16 says, You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a small and a large. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord our God. In the Old Testament, God called for fair and just weights as a call for justice and honesty. So if a person was weighing out this measure and their friend came in, they wouldn't pull the, oh yeah, let's get this bit so that way you can get more. And then when someone, oh, let's swap it out for the, no. The Old Testament calls for fair and just weights, despite who is before you. And Jesus is, when he is talking about measure, the Jewish people before him would have, they would have at least been aware of this idea, this idea of a just weight. And he's calling for a just and fair weight and measure when we deal with each other. Do we, in some instances, well, let's pull out the big bag of things to talk about with this person, plop. And then when it's someone, oh, I like hanging around them. (laughs) Tuck those back. It's fine. Do we have a fair measure? Are we using a just weight with one another? Jesus applies this to how we make our judgment. In one situation, are we seeking to understand? Are we seeking to work with this person? Are we seeking to really see them get it and click and become this person who joyously is seeking Jesus as well? And then in the next instance going, you know, you need to just, you need to just, and you're just hitting them with it over and over. Jesus suggests that this double standard is an unjust weight. It's a different measure. We might not carry a bag with different weights in it, but but we might carry a different weight in our brain and in our actions. And maybe you started today, as I did when I started laying out the the notes for this sermon, going, oh yeah, judge not lest you not be judged, like lest you be judged. I've heard it. I've heard people tell me that. You can't judge me. And you might have thought, like, I, I started this going, I'm not one of those Christians. I'm a, I, this isn't for me, maybe. And then you get to this idea of this just measure and being consistent, and you're like, okay, thanks, Jesus. Um, I, I'm just trying to start my day. I'm halfway through my cup of coffee, and, and now I've got a lot to work on. <laughs> And maybe you hear Jesus' words on equal measure and you're like, well, I have work to do. This is the part where I start to preach it myself. (laughs) Having a just and fair measure means not misrepresenting a person, speaking for them, filling in gaps with assumptions about what they have done and what they are doing. And if you don't do those things, that requires you to have a little bit of interaction and relationship with them. You've got to talk to them. You've got to get to know 
what's going on? What's your struggle? It means, in essence, as James talks about in his letter when he talks about judging others, not slandering them. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, say, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. And who are you to judge your neighbor? Again, James is not keying in on we should never hold discernment. But he's saying is if our judgment is something that causes us to slander or talk ill of a brother or sister, heck, a person, we have missed the point. He says that you have kind of placed yourself under that judgment of the law in doing so. He tells us that in our judgment, we speak evil of our neighbor, we bring ourselves into being guilty. As much or more so as they are. It is a reminder that we may have right judgment. It might be, it, it might be spot on. We've made the judgment call and it's, it's good. It might be biblically sound. We have, we have scripture, we have understanding of this, this is where we're at. It, it, it might even be based on the law of God and, and the gospel of Christ. But if how we communicate that is from this judgmental, I, I want to put that person down and set them as lesser and make them know their place, we have missed it. We've used a bad measure. And the reason we missed it is as James tells us, we all have stuff that someone could judge us for. We all have stuff. And so then we get to this spot with judgment. It's like, well, then how do I move forward? How do I grow in this? If we all have stuff, how can anybody ever do or say anything? Are we just all stuck and we just kind of float through life and ignore everybody's? Jesus, in telling us, judge not lest you be judged, he's going to give us an example that, that is going to kind of unlock how do, how do we move forward? If we're not going to judge with a bad measure and we're going to judge in a way that's loving and, and sees a positive result, how do we do that? How do we grow in this way? And he continues and he gives us this instruction by way of a, a fun image. Uh, he says, verse 3, Matthew 7, verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We've, we've all had the thing in our eye. Uh, especially in allergy season, it feels like, and allergy season just kind of seems like a never-ending joke this year. Um, but you get that, you get that thing, and it gets stuck. And if you're, the other idea here is if you ever get the, the, the thing, 
I don't know if you ever know what I'm talking about, but it's like that little speck that kind of like, you, you see it and you're like, go away, stop it. Or you get that little piece and it just bugs you and your eyes watering and it's burning and you want to do this, but you're like, if I do that, it's going to scratch my eye. It's awful. <laughs> Having a speck in your eye is terrible. Nobody likes it. It's generally a bad experience. And you think to yourself, how can something this small affect me so much? <laughs> like, I cannot focus on anything right now other than this tiny little speck. I'm stubborn. When I get something in my eye, I do not want help. I, I do not want assistance. Um, she's nodding. Uh, that's pretty much any time that I'm, I've got something, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to soldier through this one. Let it ride, it'll work itself out. I, I say that a lot. Uh, but Jesus, he's going to turn this example that, that probably all of his listeners to, they're like, yeah, speck in my eye. I, I get that. And he's going to turn it into the absurd. He's going to go like way too far with it on purpose. When someone notices us blinking and trying to get that little speck out, they might not even be able to see it. That, that other person, they just see you kind of going through the, the effects of it. But seeing the effects, they start, decide to step up to the plate to help. And the scene that Jesus has set out is they step up to help, and they've got like a two-by-four, like, in their eye, sticking out, and they're like, can I help you? <laughs> Let me help. And, and, and you hear that, and you go, that is, that's insane. Nobody would do that. And that's kind of what Jesus is getting at. When we have our stuff and we're in the middle of our struggle, don't step up to help in that moment. Maybe just stop for a second and think, what do I have that I need to address first here? Could you imagine sitting there trying to blink the speck out of your eye and this guy with a board sticking out of his face wants to help you? You're like, uh, you're going to hit me with that. Like, <laughs> your problem is going to become part of my situation here. Jesus challenges us to deal with ourselves first. Be your own critic. Let the Spirit move in you to evaluate, am I living as God would have me to live? Before aiming that criticism at others. He tells us to notice the log in your eye first. Acknowledge, if I try to help with this other person's speck, this, this little thing that I've noticed, if I try to say something of consequence here or give them my perspective or judgment on the scenario without acknowledging my stuff, it's going to come across as judgmental. It's hypocrisy. Jesus calls it that. He says, <laughs> you hypocrite. It's assuming that the other person's issue is way worse than, than ours. Jesus says, deal with the plank in your face first. Because if you don't, your vision and your judgment, but literally in the story he's told, but also our ability to discern and our ability to judge is impaired is going to be unjust. It's not going to be fair. 
by dealing with our stuff first, you become more equipped to make just judgment and have fair measure in yours and others' situations. When we deal with our stuff first, when we respond to the Holy Spirit moving in our life, that says, hey, Hunter, stop it. And you respond, okay. Father, give me the motivation, the ability to change this. It's not comfortable. Doesn't always feel good. And then when you see that person, you go, okay. I have worn that shoe. Jesus says you will see clearly. You'll get it. You'll understand. Not only because the struggle you once had is no longer a barrier, but because you know what it's like. You know what it's like to have somebody come along and say, brother, there's, there's a log in your eye. Can I help you? You know what it's like to have someone lovingly moved by Jesus help you with your stuff. To help from a place that says, yeah, I've had a plank or a speck in my eye at one point. And you know what? Somebody came along and they said, you know, I've been changed by Jesus and, and I, I've been there. I know it's tough. And they lovingly told me, you got a log in your eye, brother. And Jesus, through that person, helped me with mine. Can I, can I share with you? Can I help you? I've been there. I've walked this road. I still get specs every day. I know what it's like to have those. I know how hard it can be to get them out. But I love you and I hate seeing you struggle with this. Can we try to get it out together? That is fair, empathetic judgment that Jesus calls his people to. That is right measure. One which echoes James when he says, there is but one judge who is able to save and destroy. One which echoes the Old Testament and says, a just balance and just scales belong to the Lord and all the weights in the bag are his concern. It's a judgment that says, before I was saved, I was not. Before Jesus helped me work through my sin, I struggle with it. I've been on the wrong path. I've been corrected by Jesus, either directly or through him working in someone else. I need Jesus as bad today as the day I found out that God is the only judge with the authority to condemn and by grace through faith he chose to save me. That's a judgment that when we, we render it to someone and we say, and we look back and we go, would I like them to deal with me that way? And we look at it and we go, yeah, that's fair. That, that's fair. If somebody did that to me, you would say, that's fair. That's how you know that you've, you've done this. When we lovingly make empathetic, gospel-impacted, kingdom-minded judgments like that, 
we're going to find a lot less, less judgmentalism and a lot more loving each other. That's what it's going to look like. I want to share uh, a brief story, uh, and it's the, the story of when I quit church. So I, at my end of youth group was not what I had desired. Um, I, I was asked to leave, and it, it didn't go the way that I wanted. Uh, and when I left for school, came out here to Oregon to go to college up in Salem, uh, I sat there on that first Sunday morning, and I kind of went, nobody tell me to go to church today. Uh, I think I'm going to stay right here. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't go to church. Uh, I, I quit church for a little bit. And at first, I, I'm not going to lie, at first, it was a little nice to like have an extra hour or so to do some homework, but then you start to feel it. You really do. You're like, oh, they're leaving, and man, I remember when I used to see, see the guys at church and, you know, get to get together in the lobby afterwards and yak until it's time to go in and you're late for service. And we had these freshman success groups, and uh, our, our freshman success guy, his name was Darren. And I remember we used to do these like, little check-ins. You'd go in and, and chat with him, and, and one week he asked how things were going. In the back of my brain, I thought, just tell him it's fine. Like, it's, and then you can go on your way. But for some reason, I, I told him my little no-church experiment. I said, well, I've actually quit church for a bit. And I remember his response. I don't remember another word that Darren told me that day or a lot of days. Um, but I remember his response to that. And all he told me was, Hunter, Christians need the church. That's it. That's all he said. And I, and I could tell it wasn't aimed at me. It wasn't a targeted, like, how dare you? But when Darren told me that, I had this sense that this guy had learned this lesson already himself. <laughs> He'd been there. And, and to tell you the truth, I ignored his words for a couple weeks. I went, all right, I, I know that, Darren. I'm good. I'm in Bible school. I'm still reading the book. Uh, we're good. But it sat there. And he didn't, he didn't, hey, you're going to church? Hey, he didn't get after me. Put it out there and let it run. And then I was convicted. <laughs> I was like, well, better try this. And the, the frustrating part was I went to a whole bunch of churches and never connected. And I'm like, I'm trying now, but it's not working. And then I found the church family where I healed in Salem. And I may have never had that. I would have never healed in that way. If this fellow believer had not kindly rendered a good judgment and said, Hunter, you got a speck in your eye. And I know how tough that is. Can, can I offer some, some help? You know, Christians need the church. This is what Jesus is keying in on. He honestly could have ended right here. He could have stopped, said, take the speck or the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, and then moved right into the next section. But Jesus has one more thing to communicate about our judgment. Because so far we've talked about, well, 
casting this like judgment about something negative in someone's life that they want to get rid of. And Jesus, there's more to it. And he keeps going, and he says in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. We had this good thing going. We had the plank and the speck, and, and we're keying in, okay, yes. And then Jesus does this a lot. He, like, pivots last minute and hits us with this new thing. We're talking about pigs and pearls all of a sudden. And I want to note, there's multiple perspectives on what is this? Why is Jesus saying this? Why is he saying it here? If you look at your Bible and see where they've put the paragraphs, it's like this weird standalone section that sometimes is included with the judging other parts and sometimes is included with the ask and it will be given. And I, I want to give, like, highlight a couple of those interpretations that I think can work together. And the first is later on in Matthew's gospel, the message of the kingdom, namely the gospel of Christ, is likened to these pearls of great value. And it's argued based on that that Jesus is calling members of the kingdom to be discerning with where they toss those pearls out at. If someone is outright rejecting the gospel, Give them the gospel and don't keep tossing your pearls before them. Allow God to work. Give them space for that seed to root according to God's will and the working of the Holy Spirit. This is one interpretation and it tracks well with the book of Matthew. And there is a second interpretation that, that I also enjoy because it, it takes that one and it runs with this idea of judgmentalism. And that is this. People don't care as much about the same things as you do. Like, people might very well not care about the things that you care about. In regards to this metaphor, this story, dogs and pigs, they don't care about pearls. They don't want that. They're not interested. Like, you toss them out and they go, okay. They trample them underfoot. And in their culture, this idea of dogs and pigs, dogs could have been this term that was used to describe non-Jewish people or the enemies of the Jewish people, the hostile ones. And pigs in their culture were these unclean animals. And when we start, well, who is that? It's, it's the people who they know. They've heard it. But they go, hmm. I'll choose this instead. Like, I'm good. I don't need that. Either way, even if this is not like referring to specific people, dogs and pigs don't care about pearls. And why would they? If when my advisor told me that Christians need the church, I had been someone who was unsaved, I'm like, uh, okay. Like, and? Or if, if I hadn't have had that, like, I, I care about this enough to try to tell this guy the truth in this moment. If I, like, if I don't care, hey, Christians need the church. All right. I know. If that person 
the person before us that we are in this moment of why the judgment to give here and I feel in this way, if they're not a member of God's people, they're not a citizen of the kingdom, why would we expect them to care about how kingdom people should be living? Like They're not there yet. That doesn't mean don't share the gospel. That doesn't mean tell them about Jesus. It just means their standard, the things they care about, is different right then. Have empathy. What's it like? What was it like when I was there? If it's someone who knows and has heard, and you've shared the gospel, and you've been praying, you're in that moment, you're like, you know, I just don't know about this. And they get frustrated. Let them be. They know. They've heard from you. God will continue to work in their lives. Keep praying. Keep living out the kingdom standard for yourself. But in that moment, what I found that is the least helpful is to remind them of what they've got going on that's wrong. You can tell when someone is really open to the things of the kingdom because they stop asking what I call rock too big questions. These are those folks who are like, they just kind of want to pick the argument and, well, did God make a rock too big? Okay. Do you, do you want to know? Do you care? You can sense that. The Spirit helps us to sense that. And when we're starting to practice this empathy, we're going to get better at knowing, yeah, this person is hungry for this. And they're not there yet. They don't, they don't, hasn't quite clicked. But if I, if I keep showing this love and being this example of Jesus and giving this empathetic, informed response to them, maybe the Spirit will move and they'll join this kingdom. Jesus calls us to care enough about the standard of the kingdom and the power of the gospel to not to continue to waste it on those who are, don't care. Share the gospel with them. Let God work. Don't stop sharing the gospel with them. But do it in a way that's loving and empathetic and says, I, I love you. I'm not trying to make you feel awful about what you're doing. That's not the goal here. That approach kills judgmentalism. It's an approach that reminds us that the saving work of Jesus has, has saved us. <laughs> the God who is able to save and destroy through Jesus chose to save.